Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You can't hear the guests yet, but that's fine. I'm going to intro them in a second. Guys, welcome to episode 251 of the Falcoholic Live. As I was explaining to the guests, I uh, decided to revert everything back to my laptop settings, which of course, you know, since I'm no longer on my laptop, no longer actually at training camp, uh, no longer function. So, you know, that's why you weren't getting sound right off the top. But everything should be back in order now. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Falcoholic Live. Back back home for all of us. Uh, of course, you can see joining me first off is Will McFadden at Will McFadden on Twitter. Will, how we doing? Uh, doing well, Kevin. Uh, thank you for having me on. Very excited to talk training camp and Friday night's matchup against Miami. Yeah, exciting stuff. And uh, we definitely got a lot to look forward to there. Also joining us, of course, another special guest. We have Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson from ESPN himself. Eric Robinson. Eric, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? Good, good. Happy to have you back on. Uh, I did the thing where, Appreciate you know, it. I emailed, I, I like sent Eric a message to come on the show and then proceeded to not check to see if he was going to come on and then he showed up anyway because he's he's a true professional uh he doesn't even need me to confirm anything uh so thank you thank you for that eric thank you for saving me there uh of course we have my co-host adnan ikajad say which way adnan how are we doing tonight i'm doing well can't wait to talk about how Bijan robinson is a third spring running back is he a bust is he a bust my column terrible Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. He's been a top 10 pick on a guy who's backing up Cordero Pabs. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, can't, even beat out, can't even beat out a wide receiver running back. It's crazy, right? Can't believe like, it. I can't happen? believe it. Yep. <laughs> why is he even here? Why, why are any of us here? We're all just energy, man. Uh, <laughs> is, is Carlos Washington going to overtake Bijan on the depth chart? My call. My call. Yeah, there you go. My, you know, hashtag my column. But um, yeah. All right, guys. Well, we got a lot to get to, obviously. We're going to give you guys... Basically, just our overall thoughts from the first couple of weeks of Falcons training camp. Uh, and then, of course, get into these joint practices in Miami, which sound surprisingly uh, positive for the Falcons, especially with concerns uh, spent on the defensive line. Uh, the Falcons defensive line apparently looking very good. So that is something we haven't seen in a long, long time. So we will be able to enjoy talking about that as well. Welcome in, everyone. Before we get off and running here, let me bring you a word from today's sponsor, betonline.ag, your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Perhaps you're feeling overly confident in these Falcons. You know, all, we've given you all these glowing training camp reports, right? You can bet on Atlanta to win the NFC South. You can bet on Bijan Robinson to lead the NFL in, in whatever you want, I'm sure. Uh, they have all those props out there for you, whatever craziness you want to bet on. Um, so... Hey, whatever you want to bet on, guys, BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as they've got you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and car games you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action and be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. We've got a full house here. I know uh, myself, uh, Nan and Will, we're all at training camp and Eric 
I'm sure was observing very, very closely from afar. So we've all got takes, I imagine. I figured we'd I'd just start us off sort of with our, our biggest takeaway from, from what we've seen. And, and I'll, I'll have the honor of going last. Uh, but Eric, I'll let, I'll let you go first uh, with this. What, what sort of what's your biggest overall takeaway from what you've seen so far from the Falcons in training camp? There seems to be a different energy around this team. Last couple of years, this, you, you kind of sort of felt like this team knew that they had some work to be done. And and when I when I say team, I mean every from the organization from the front office down to the coaching staff, the players. They knew that there was some work that needed to be done with this particular team and, and reconstructing things um, from the Dan Quinn era. But right now, going into year three of the Arthur Smith tenure, there seems to be more of a reinvigorated energy around this team. They they I guess I think they sense that they know. They're a completely different team from last year. They're much more talented uh, from last year on both sides of the ball. And you're starting to see it a little bit in practices. You're starting to see it a little bit in in, in Arthur Smith himself, his interviews. His interviews look different. He looks I, – I, I can recall from the first couple of years just looking at um, a few of his headshots, the man looked like he got three hours of sleep a night the first two years. Like he looked exhausted. He looked stressed. Now he looks – he, he, he looks refreshed. He looks like he knows he has something going here. And, and that type of energy has spread it from him all the way down to the team. And you see it pretty much every day in practice. Yeah, that, that energy is infectious. I mean, you, you could see it in the, the press conference room, too. Uh, just, just how, like, th- there's a positive energy around this team. And you have to think that had something to do with, you know, Calais Campbell deciding to sign there and some other free agents deciding to, to sign there that we really didn't think the Falcons had much of a chance at. So I definitely think you're on to something with that, Eric. Uh, let's go to Will McFadden next. Will, I know you were there uh, the final day, I believe, or, or not the next, you, were there, you were there Friday, right? So I was there Friday and Saturday okay, week okay. one, and then mm-hmm. I was there Friday week two. Um, and yes. Anand was there Saturday, right? Okay, um, yes. So, yeah, no, but Eric, you're before I get to mine, which spoiler alert, it's going to be the defensive line. Um, so we'll we'll put the, a pin in that for one second. Um, and apologies, Adnan or Kevin, if that was going to be yours. But you reminded me of, of something, Eric, when I was, you know, covering the Falcons from 2017 to, to 2020 in that Dan Quinn era, there were a lot of players in the locker room that were high energy, that were, you know, very upbeat that did kind of as they like to say like bring the juice and and all of that but it, there was it was a more of a chaotic energy and i feel like the i i saw much more rah rah coaching amp up from the coaching staff than i have at any point with arthur smith and his staff it's very just like go about your business the expectation is there you're running from drill to drill you know where you're supposed to be, but the competition is coming more from the players and more internally and from the leaders, I think, inside of that locker room than it is from the coaching staff. And so I think that's also an immensely positive sign, and it speaks more to the the overall culture shift specifically that I think separates Dan Quinn and Arthur Smith because both I think established cultures, which is, you know, hard enough to do in the NFL and both had clearly defined cultures. I think that's the key difference is that the coaching staff brought that energy. Now you're getting it from the players. Um, but to the defensive line, 
just up and down. I, I feel like depth-wise, night and day better. But even, you know, you're you're seeing in, and I don't know if it's the system. I think we'll learn not a lot about that in the preseason, but the first four weeks of the of the year, I think, is when we'll really be able to figure out. All right, is it players or is is it system? Um, but right now, it, it whatever it is, it's working. You're you're seeing guys that, you know, I have to look down at the uh, roster again to be like, who is this? Oh, Joe Gaziano, like he just absolutely destroyed the right tackle and set the edge that allowed the the linebacker to come and fill it and just uh, like stop the running back for a two yard loss. That's awesome. It's kind of the way that we saw like Jalen Dalton and Timmy Horn stand out last year, but that was more just because I think of the lack of of front end talent on that group. And so it was like, oh, maybe they have something here. Now it's like, okay, the the guys in the third team are are making legitimate plays routinely. And so that is where the the news coming out of Miami for joint practices and the defensive line continuing to play well now makes me think, okay, like that is real. What we saw was not just all right, maybe the offensive line is taking a little bit of time to get up to speed. It's no, this is a legitimately good unit. And again, I'm kind of curious to figure out more why. And I think we'll see that more in the regular season, but, but that's been my group so far. Yeah, no, hundred percent agreement there. I think that is definitely one of the more popular ones that, that will, and we'll talk about it more, obviously when we get to the joint practices too, but um, it's been many, many, many a year since, the Falcons defensive line sent another team's offensive line into like an existential crisis. Like the Falcons have apparently done to the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. I'm seeing like fans panicking, like Miami fans, like, Oh, like, Oh God, our offensive line is so bad. Like, Oh, we've been exposed. You know, it's that like... quote from Mike McDaniel about like, if the goal is average, then like, yeah, sure. I'm pleased. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's an amazing quote to hear yeah, about your yeah. defense. Yeah, he's, he's not, not only that, but to hear the, the starting quarterback also give kudos to the defense as well for how mm-hmm. they play. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 something we're not used to around here, around these parts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that definitely kind of sort of caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah, no. And it's like I think there was definitely a section of, of fans that were like, oh, the Falcons offense is playing terribly. Like what's going on to Desmond Ritter, you know, sucks or whatever. And we were trying to tell people like, honestly, like a lot of these throws are just being broken up by the defense. Like, it's not like it was a bad throw. It's not like the receiver Mm -hmm. ran a bad route. It was just like the defense made a great play. Maybe the defense actually is just good. You know, maybe that is a thing, but I think people have been so like burned by this defense being awful that they're like, Oh, the the offense can't make plays against this defense. Like, what are we doing? So maybe that was actually uh, a sign of defense. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, Adnan, you know, on, on that note, uh, what, what, what's your takeaway? Or maybe you want to continue on this line of thought. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to give two. Uh, one football-related, one not football-related that I'll touch on very quickly at the end. Um, because Will took the, the defensive line. Um, the low-hanging fruit, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to diversify <laughs> uh, a little bit. Well, my, my fruit's also pretty low-hanging. I'm going to go with the secondary just because I think the defense overall won more days uh, than they lost during training camp. I, I think I think we're all in agreement with that, uh, both being there and reading all of the reports that, that were coming out of Flowery Branch. Um, the secondary was stifling. Like, the secondary was there – were, there were some days where, you know, none of the quarterbacks could literally get anything going. It's – I mean, like these wide receivers, these pass catchers were in absolute straitjackets, and none more so than the last day of training camp. 
uh, before the joint practices. I look at training camp as, you know, when we get to preseason, like week one, I, I, I stop referring to it as training camp because then after that it becomes more so like regular practices. Um, but on Saturday, which was the last day before the joint practices, the the secondary was just they were they were picking up pass breakups like it was candy. I mean, like it felt like it felt like nothing that any of the quarterbacks could do was working at all. And I mean, you know, I think Ritter went eight for sixteen according to Mike Rothstein's notes. Taylor Heineke did have some completions, but you know, I wouldn't say that any of the quarterbacks had a good day on Saturday. And there were some days that were just like that. In nine days, the defense got eight interceptions. And I know because I was running the the interception counter day in and day out. Now I'm counting this as just seven on sevens and eleven on elevens, not the not even counting the one on ones where Clark Phillips got an interception against Drake London. Um Jalen Hawkins got two uh, on the first two days of camp. And then every other pick was intercepted by it was seven different players each had at least one interception in the secondary. It wasn't even just, you know, one guy just absolutely dominating. It was Mike Abernathy, Clark Phillips, Richie Grant, Breon Borders, Jesse Bates, and DeMarco Hillams. On the last day, there were three interceptions plus, I think, at least seven other pass breakups, which weren't interceptions. It just felt like Atlanta's wide receivers just could hardly get any separation throughout camp against these against the secondary and I think it just is a testament to the depth uh that Atlanta has built up not just on the defensive line but on the secondary as well to where you know you have someone like a Jalen Hawkins now as your backup safety uh I think he's one of the better backup safeties uh in the NFL I really like Mike Abernathy as a backup safety as well D. Alford isn't even a name that I mentioned so far but he's as of now, the starting nickelback, uh, he also had a very strong camp. So, you know, kudos to the secondary. And it really is like, Kevin, like you mentioned, sometimes it wasn't just, oh, yeah, Drake, uh, Desmond Ritter is, is terrible. Maybe, maybe it just is, yeah, like this secondary was just that good. And the other thing I want to mention is uh, the fan support. It was the, I, I, I want to say, uh, the two Saturdays. Uh, of training camp, the the one last week and the one on day nine, those were the two most populated training camps that I've seen since 2017. And I've been going every year either, you know, down on the field with the credential or, you know, up on the hill with, with the rest of the fans. And it's you can feel a different type of energy, not just with within the roster and within the coaching staff itself, but you can feel a different type of energy within the fan base. The line was so long. I pulled up uh, on Saturday, and you can find it on my Twitter, yeah. at 8.30 a.m., which was, you know, when the doors were just opening, a full hour, a full hour before camp. The line was so long, I literally went and recorded, you know, went by and just recorded just how many people were there. And, you know, this is a video, this was like a 15-second video of me driving, just like seeing how many people were, were in line waiting for a practice that was, going to start an hour from now and then remember last week uh the first saturday kevin there was you know an hour into practice there were still people in line checking into the facility and checking you know into the hill that were still in line out waiting outside like the fan base has bought in the fan base is ready and you know this fan base is ready to explode the, the team the franchise just needs to give them a reason to do so 
Yeah. The, the fans are ready for this team to be good. I, for God's sake, we don't. I mean, we, we're we ready uh, for this team to be good. Like, And I think, you know, people underestimate, like, that it's just, it's been a while. The, this team hasn't had a winning record since, what, 2018, some point in 2018, I think. They had, they had a winning record at some point in 2018, maybe. But I know 2017 was the last winning season. So, I mean, it's been a really long time. Okay, 2018, they never had a winning record. Okay, uh, so it was 2017. The last winning record was that when they were ten and six in 2017. 2018, they started out one and one. Uh, they lost the season opener. Then they beat the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. And then yeah. they lost the next like few games after that. Yeah, I remember the false hope of that season for sure. But hopefully this season's not false hope like that. Uh, hopefully this is is much much more real oh, hope. No. Yeah. Uh, also, my mistake. That was 2019. 2018 was when they lost to the Eagles on Thursday night to start the season. When you know they picked up all those injuries to uh, yeah, Deion yeah. Jones, Keanu Neal, like right away to start the season. Oh yeah, it was it was catastrophic uh, safety injuries. Uh, so, I, who who did we play? Was it Jor- Was that the Jordan Richards year? Uh, <laughs> That's a deep cut. Deep cut for you guys. Yeah, was a deep cut. Yeah, I remember that they scored like thirty nine against the Bengals and lost in like week three, week yep. two, like threes, like. Oh got away from two defenders like he spun away from two uh, defenders to like tie the game uh, it was week three week four was the <laughs> i still can't believe jordan richards was like the worst safety in the league and they they continue to roll him out like it was like okay can we really not do better can we like not <laughs> like we really can't do better than this like <laughs> man brutal stuff uh thankfully uh not not anticipating those issues this year uh but yeah i mean I think you guys covered a lot of the good stuff. I mean, I think I think maybe like another thing to mention is that I think the wide receiver depth maybe looks a little bit better than people were expecting and that obviously Drake London looks really good. Kyle Pitts back to full health essentially. That's very good. Um and then Mac Hollins I think was really impressive uh both on and off the field. <laughs> Mac Hollins is a, is a treasure. Uh and you know, yeah, did you have something to add Eric as well? Sorry. I, th- I think on the back on the back end of that wide receiver group, there's a real battle going on. And and I think what's interesting about it is that a lot of the guys from you know Kadero Hodge, Penny Hart, um, Josh Ali, Frank Darby, all these guys with these guys have special teams experience. So it's not a situation where it's like you have a receiver and you're you're telling him, hey, you're gonna have to cut your teeth on special teams in order to make the, make this roster. All these guys have that experience, and all these guys have made plays offensively this 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 offseason especially frank darby who's like a three-time training camp champion that's what i like to call him <laughs> he's, he's just he this is this is his world every single offseason but i but i agree with you kevin like the the, the depth that receiver is going to make it very hard when it's time to uh cut down to 53 and and um I, it's been a while since we've had depth in various spots across the roster not just one or two positions like literally you're seeing it now but the thing i wonder about with the receiver depth specifically is kind of like the same way that i i framed the improvement of the defensive line depth compared to where it was last year like or is that just where the wide receivers are where you just named all of the players you named and they're all like if we were drafting in fantasy football they'd all be fifth round sixth round seventh round like you know, later on guys and not these where you'd want your second or third receiver kind of coming off the board earlier on in that draft. Like, 
these are later on in the bench type of of guys and maybe we're just drawing that comparison because they're all of of kind of like that c plus caliber or are mm-hmm. they legitimately going to be like you know a b level third fourth receiver on on this group like that's where i'm still i think Kaderil hodge can can be that that kind of like if we're talking receiver right. wide receiver right. specifically i think he can emerge as kind of that third guy because arthur smith is i think hinted at that in some ways but yeah i'm just curious to see what actually pans out right right yeah. same here again i mean in fairness to the receivers though atlanta's wide receiver five is more like a wide receiver six on on another it's more like a wide receiver nine or ten like it's 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 literally like kyle pitts drake london cordero patterson Bijan robinson johnu smith mac hollins and then like oh and Bijan robinson is in there so mac hollins is like eighth so that's what we're like starting out at. And I mean, I'd put Cordero Hodge in there as well toward the end. Uh, you, you mentioned Cordero Patterson. Yep. I, I, yeah, I like. I think it's. I think he's essentially like your third receiving option right now, yeah. and Bijan is probably fourth. Yeah. And then I expect mention, that to totally flip at some point during the season. But didn't even mention Scotty Miller, who also brings plenty of special teams experience and some juice in the, in the deep passing game as well. So I haven't been sold on him in camp so far. That's why. Oh, yeah. I would, that's, that's fair. I, I think it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, again, his, his experience could definitely pay off in the long run at some point, especially when it's time to trim down the roster. But, you know, again, like I said, it's, it's, it's a battle Royal there. And, and I think a couple guys like Frank Darby, uh, Kadero Hodge as well, they, yep. it's, it's going to be hard to cut them uh, i think <laughs> i think hodge is safe just because of the comments from arthur smith to open up camp he talked about how they underutilize utilize hodge how he's going to have more of a role this season and i think he's just that important uh, as your best special teams gunner i think he's safe as that wide receiver four um but that wide receiver five battles a bloodbath right now yeah. <laughs> i mean literally every single day from camp there has been someone in this battle that has stuck out on a different individual day. Remember, it started with Zay Malone. Uh, he he took that quote-unquote little early lead. And, you know, Penny Hart was also playing very well before the pads came on. Then when the pads came on, Frank Darby just started stacking days. And Frank Darby was just... <laughs> Frank Darby showed out from Monday to Saturday, like legitimately. I would say he, he impressed me more than anyone on that second week. You know, you got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside have a have a very good day uh in there i think it was on tuesday or wednesday um slade bolden on saturday had his best day uh he he was catching everything coming his way and then in joint practices not today but yesterday josh ali had those two very long receptions including that 50-yard touchdown so it's literally been a different guy almost every single day just like stepping up and sort of sort of staking his claim and saying, Hey, I, I, I'm not going anywhere either. So it, this is, this is the battle to watch for me throughout preseason. Yeah. It, it's definitely probably the tightest one because I, I mean, good luck predicting who's going to win it at this stage. I mean, I think we've seen good things from all the guys you mentioned. Uh, Frank Darby, I think maybe you'd have to say he has the slight 
edge right now. I give now, Darby the lead right now. Yeah. I give Dar- I put Darby in the lead right now. I really think it's got like the preseason games sort of yes, are going exactly. to determine yeah. this. Because we we saw in like what like 2018, uh, it seemed as though Reggie Davis had yeah, it yeah. all but locked up. And then in that last preseason game, like literally let a job slip through his fingers. So We've yeah. got a long way to go. I think so far. In fairness, that's not good for the content. Just saying, oh yeah, what well, we need to be, wait and be patient is just no. You know, we we got to make bold predictions immediately. Well, we yes. got to throw out the takes. People want yeah, the yeah, takes. Yeah. Right People now. need takes. Uh, yeah. But no, I definitely agree. It's it's gonna the preseason will weigh the heaviest. Um, I mean, remember, remember what was a Bernard Reedy a few years ago? You know, was was dominating in camp. Austin Trammell before the pads came on was just the guy. Uh, R.I.P. the Austin Trammell dream. (laughs) And I think it'll come down to that last preseason game too. Like I think that preseason week three when Drake London, when Matt Collins aren't playing, that's going to be the one where, you know, most, you know, most people will be like, yeah, who cares? It's the third preseason game. And we'll be here intently just like analyzing every (laughs) Yes. To see who, oh. who, who's going to take that slight edge in this wide receiver five battle. Yep. You know, we're going to analyze how many targets Zay Malone versus Keelan Harris get in the fourth quarter, um, to you know, for, for our practice squad projections, because we're true sickos. That's why you guys are watching the show, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that's 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 why we're all here. Right. Because we're, we're sickos. So. Um, yeah, well, let's, let's get into these joint practices a little bit because I know Will's on a little bit of a time crunch and I know that's kind of the the topic du jour, right? Is these joint practices and, uh, things are looking pretty good so far from what I've heard. Will, what, what do you think about the, the news coming out of Miami so far? Yeah, I think that, you know, first and foremost, this is just a great opportunity to see a totally different group of players and, and totally different skill set and, you know, the Falcons, we talk about offensively them being such a unique team in this league. Well, part of the downside of that and the, maybe the other edge of that sword is like your defense is going against a very kind of unique offensive group. One that does not have the speed of a team like Miami and you're going to run up against teams that have that that type of speed. And I would argue this team doesn't even have the route running of like a New Orleans or something like that. So it's just a good opportunity to give your guys a different flavor. Um, and, and they will get that a couple more times in the preseason, but this is get tested one day, come back the next day, see how you adjust, see how they adjust. It's a really nice working session. So I, I was very encouraged by what I saw and heard from, you know, the joint practices. I, I think that Arthur Smith today was very complimentary of Desmond Ritter's decision-making and also his um, really just his consistency so far in in year two and i think that that is key going up against a, a defense that you've not started to get tells on you know when you're when you're going up against the same guys you kind of understand all right he likes to do this when he's doing this or you just get a sense and here you can't fake it so for your quarterback to kind of be getting some positives that's real um we already talked about the defensive line but that's been huge the secondary with jalen hawkins you know i know that there's been some clips shared by dolphins media people and all of that with like Tyreek Hill toasting, you know, just various dudes. Like that's going to happen. What did Especially you Especially Trey Flowers. That's just mean. That's just right, mean. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, all right, put him in a boxing ring. Let's see what happens yeah. then. But yeah, this just happens to be a football field where he gets to run around this dude in circles and then run off like a, you know, it was insane. But 
I was not surprised by that. I expected that to happen to, to hear some of the comments from Miami about how their offense wasn't in the rhythm that it, it necessarily is, is used to being or expects to be in. It was very, very heartening. Um, and so I went into joint practices really kind of on the fence because I've been fooled before early in training camps many a yeah. time saying, hey, this team looks good. This unit looks great. And then you get in a preseason game and they get their asses kicked by like the other team. And you're like, well, okay. So still just one part of the process, but I, I like what I saw so far. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a very good point. It's been, yeah, we've seen a lot of, a lot of mirage type stuff uh, over the past few seasons. And I remember I thought oh, Eric Saubert was going to be a hall a of God. Famer. Yes. A like I, I literally <laughs> yeah. turned to the, the director of Falcons communications and I was like, get that man a gold jacket right now. And he never sued. <laughs> yeah, never. poor guy. Although he's still in the league. He's baby. still Let's in the go. league. Yeah, and I know. Um, yeah, I know someone mentioned that uh, like Jason Gaines. And AMC, we are rebounding. Yeah. You're Let's getting go. it to the moon. To the moon. Yeah. Well, no, Jason Gaines <laughs> also mentioned that Austin Trammell's still on the Rams roster. So uh, my Austin Trammell takes have not yet been invalidated entirely. But uh, we're, get, we're getting there. Yeah. I think it's interesting when it comes to these joint practices. You kind of sort of have to be careful as far as who or where you're getting your coverage from. Because if you asked or if you talk to a certain select of Miami Dolphins fans or writers, they'll tell you that they just won the AFC East this past couple of oh, years. You mean Omar Kelly, like on Twitter? Who yeah, yeah. The Omar thing. Kelly, Joe Shad, dominated guys today. Yeah, they're not – but then you, you go to a neutral side, like a guy like Cameron Wolf from NFL Network, and like yesterday he told you – and it was very – I loved the point that he brought up. It was very interesting, the contrast and styles between the two teams on the first day of the joint practice. You have the speed and athleticism from the Dolphins, but you have the size and the strength and the physicality from the from the Falcons. And he pointed out and said, yeah, the Dolphins, as expected, were able to make plays. I mean, in one-on-one on, one on one and seven-on-seven seven are made for offenses, okay? Yep. So when, yep. you put up a, when you put a guy like Trey Flowers on Tyreek Hill in one-on-ones, Tyreek is going to win that 10 times out of 10 in all likelihood. Don't care about the plays he made against Trey Flowers. It's supposed to happen. If they didn't, I'll be surprised. Yeah. However, I find it hilarious when you add 10 extra players on the field on each side of the ball, how you didn't necessarily see or hear the big plays that were given up from the yes. that were given up on the defense at that point. It changes everything. And I thought it was interesting to see that he pointed out also, yes, the Dolphins won their fair share of big plays, but in the trenches on both sides of the ball is where the Falcons won and where they made their where they were able to cut their teeth on both days. Very interesting. Again, not used to hearing that about the Falcons that they're able to win the trenches on both sides of the ball in back-to-back practices against a, a, another particular team, a, a Super Bowl favorite in the eyes of many. At that, yeah. It's a spicy team. They got down there in Miami, and right. yeah, if 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 Tyreek Hill was getting locked up by Trey Flowers, I'd be like, all right, it's time to hang him up, Tyreek. Like, it's, right. it's time to avoid Tyreek Hill and fantasy ground. Yeah, it's time. It, I would be really concerned. I would be really concerned. Although apparently was... Tyreek did have a play today where, like, like got to the end zone, then he just like started. <laughs> like josh kendall like on twitter he just started dancing until like a defender came by and then he just did a backflip and it's <laughs> oh like, yeah i read that too that yeah yeah so disrespectful so rude. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that kind of disrespect i'm not going oh, it yeah. reminds me of old deshaun jackson back in the day with, with mike vick and the eagles 
<laughs> Good but, stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on that one. Like, it's, I, I'm so sick of the word finesse. Like, I'm so sick of this team. You know, this has been a finesse team for like a decade at this point. Even that 2016, like, run where, you know, the, they got to the Super Bowl, that offensive line wasn't really, like, dominant the way By that design. By design. Yeah, they, they were lighter. It was that zone blocking scheme. And, you, you know, you, you beat you, you beat other teams with, you know, w- with that versatility and with that scheme and with really good health because that 2016 team, that O-line, like, started every single game together, which was, you know, very lucky. But this team has not dominated the trenches in so long. It's been a decade since they dominated the trenches on the offensive line, if you don't count last year where – you know, they, they dominated in the run game. But it's been since after the last year before last season was 2012, where, you know, you had Todd McClure, uh, you, you know, you had some of these guys, you had that amazing line. Yeah. You had that amazing offensive line in that Matt Ryan era, like the the start of the Matt Ryan era where, you know, you had Blaylock, Dahl, um, McClure, Sam Baker, and um, I miss Tyson Claybo. And, you know, those guys were just fucking bullies. And yep. I, I remember the Giants uh, ahead of the 2010 uh, playoffs talking about, oh, yeah, like they were crying about how dirty those guys, you know, played. And, you know, Atlanta's O-line is dirty, like blah, blah, blah. I, I miss that. Like, I, yeah. I miss that. Let's go back to that. Yeah. In the trenches. <laughs> and post-2012, it's been, you know, it, it's been finesse. It's been, oh, it's it's third and short. It's fourth and short we're going to like line up in the shotgun because there's no hope that we're going to like convert this. Um, and on, on the defensive line, I, I legitimately just don't remember the last time the defensive line has been overpowering uh, against other teams. I mean, you had Grady Jarrett and that's it. Um, uh, uh, you haven't had a, a, a legitimate pass rusher since John Abraham. And I mean, I know Vic Beasley, had that all pro year in 2016, but he was also very lucky that season converting a lot of his pressures, a lot of his pressures in the sacks. It, it, it seems like it's a new era uh, of Falcons football. I hope it's a new era of Falcons football. And it's been something that, that we've been pounding, the, pounding the table for, for years of let's invest in the trenches, invest in the trenches, invest yep. in the trenches. They finally started to invest in the fucking trenches and I mean, I don't care. I've said it on the show in the past, and I'll say it again. No matter how analytical the movement gets, no matter how pass happy, uh, no matter how explosive offenses get, football at its core, inherently, at least in my opinion, is a game that's won in the trenches. Right. If you're able to block and if you're able to tackle, you're going to have a really good chance. We saw that with the Eagles last year. They had an absolutely dominant offensive and defensive line. And, you know, that propelled them nearly to, to a Super Bowl title. I think they win that Super Bowl if Jalen Hurts doesn't just drop the ball at one point, which was recovered for a fumble. And this is the first time, like you guys mentioned, that we're actually hearing the Falcons, you know, even in a setting like one of these joint practices where they went out there and they just bullied the other team. Like normally it's us on the other end of, you know, us getting bullied and, we're the smaller team and we have to be more finesse and we have to be more versatile. Fuck that. I want to go out there and I want to, I want (laughs) to punish other teams. Like I want to be the team that 
is, is pushing the other teams around for once. And we haven't experienced that and we have not enjoyed that in well over a decade. And I'm hoping that this is a sign of things to come. Yeah, 2014 now, granted, Mike is... Smith is shedding a tear right now at that. <laughs> <laughs> granted, this was an offensive line that saw that saw his fair share of inconsistencies last year. I'm talking about the Dolphins offensive line, of course. Um, but there was still a level of expectation coming into this particular season, um, especially with you know, with the 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 health of Tua. Um, you know, they're still they're still viewed in the eyes of many as a team that's gonna make a deep playoff run. And to they see may. in fact. To see, and they may, they may, but to see in back-to-back days, reporters saying, "Hey, this Dolphins offensive line, man, they they're on the ground a little bit too much for Tua, for a guy that needs to stay healthy, a guy that needs to stay upright." It has not been very uh, an, an encouraging sign the past couple of days. Um, oh yeah, so thanks, just, Will. Yep, appreciate it. Sorry, Will had to drop it out, guys. Uh, he's at Will McFadden. Shut Believe up. in Falcons. Check Shut it out. Will. All right, please continue, Eric. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but just to, to see that for a team that's having that expectation, and again, you're going in, I, I think, I don't know how many times it's been stressed enough, the health of Tua this season and how imperative it is to their success. And again, back-to-back joint practice days, Austin Jackson is on the ground. <laughs> Liam Eikenberg is getting destroyed. Yes. Liam Eikenberg is getting tossed around. It's not encouraging going into even preseason week one, let alone regular season week one. So again, it's it feels it feels good to see and hear that. And this is the team, this is the unit that didn't even have Calais out there. They got him back. He's off PUP, but he hasn't even been out there. Yeah. But yet you're able to see you're able to see the work of Ryan Nielsen at this point. I think you're starting to see you starting to see his presence a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you look at like a guy like Zach Harrison too, who I don't think any of us had massive expectations for in year one, not and he's just no, not at all. Like, I mean, I think we were all hopeful, like, oh, he's a he's a traits guy. I mean, the traits are through the roof. Like, I mean, this is probably Clayus Campbell's understudy. Maybe in a couple of years, we we get we have something here. He's been like the most product, one of the most productive edge rushers, like period. Like, I mean, obviously going against. Not the starters most of the time, but still, like, I mean, it's impressive for him to be flashing so early. And you have to think a lot of it is, you know, this is Ryan Nielsen putting his his stamp on on the defense and saying, like, look, we're going to get these defensive linemen. We're going to coach them up. And uh, that's just such a big boost because it used to be that, like, the Falcons really needed to get finished products on the D-line because they weren't going to develop anybody. Like, it was not going to happen. Right. They'd missed right. over and over and over again trying to do that. Um, and now it's like, well, maybe we can take some shots. You know, you look at Taquan Graham. I mean, even Ade Ogundeji has been like actually playing decently in, in training camp and, um, yes. yeah, he has. So, and I, I, I think we talked about it before, like he's probably a better fit as a four, three end anyway. So that may be good for him just in general, but yeah. And the thing about Ryan Nielsen is he's a hell of a teacher all, along that defensive line. Like you can tell that at his core, He's a teacher first and foremost, and we saw it in New Orleans. Like those defensive lines in New Orleans were fucking terrifying for for years since 2017 on. Like that has been that has been what has powered the Saints to all of those deep uh, division titles because you know that Drew Brees started slowing down the offense. You know the offense was still good uh, under Sean Payton because he, he was scheming some stuff up, but. 
that team, the strength of that team was its front seven for years. And, you know, that's what that's the reason why Ryan Nielsen today is Atlanta's offensive coordinator. And I remember talking to Lorenzo Carter after one of those practices, and he just had nothing but glowing reviews about Ryan Nielsen talking about just how much attention to detail Ryan Nielsen puts into every single play. Like Lorenzo Carter said that Nielsen takes him aside and he, he talks about, you know, he, he talks about the placement of his hands. He, he talks about, you know, the placement of his eyes. He talks about literally the most minute possible details that you can imagine. And, you know, he, he's just giving him these tips and these suggestions and, and, and these lessons to give him as much of an advantage as, as he possibly can. And I feel like that's something that we haven't really had as much of. Uh, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to diss on, you know, Dan Quinn too much uh, because the Falcons defense in 2017 under Mark Juan Manuel is very good. But outside of that 2017 season, this defense has been, you know, for the most part, dog shit for the past, for the past decade or so. Yep. And I feel like the defensive coordinators haven't really been as hands-on as what we're going to see from Ryan Nielsen moving forward. And I think that especially for these younger guys, they're, they're going to be all the better for it. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right about that. And apologies, Moonstar, I didn't I, I didn't actually see your donation, so apologies about that. Uh, Moonstar, with the $5, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you so much. He says, after Drake London was the fifth string wide receiver on the depth chart last year and Kyle Pitts wasn't the starter at tight end preseason, I am fully convinced that Arthur Smith doesn't even use depth charts, and you're absolutely right. Pay no attention to the depth charts. It, it does not matter. None. It might, like, it, it literally doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Um, they. I think I think Arthur Smith likes to just troll with those depth charts. Like, it's yeah. just a joke. These uh, ones going to play, ladies and gentlemen. Just don't yeah. worry. He's definitely click it for content when it publishes yeah. on the Falcoholic. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Just to see it. But, yeah, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the whole like rookie way of, oh, he, you know, he needs to like earn his way up, up, up the depth chart. Like, hey, you know, what's impressive. The past couple of days of joint practices, he's had what, two or three touchdowns, and yeah. it hasn't even been talked about. Like yeah. that's that's to tell you everything you need to know about what's been going on in Miami the past couple of days. The fact that Bijan has looked like Bijan, but is still getting overshadowed by the physicality of the defensive line, the secondary that's out here making plays left and right, um, the offensive line that's pushing around a, a very talented Dolphins defensive line as well. So that again, that should tell you everything you need to know. Shout out! I definitely want to give a shout out to Desmond Ritter as well. Um, didn't have a great day one in joint practice. Came back day two, went four for four in the red zone. Yeah. That's yeah, that's I, what I that's what I need. That's what I need, Ritter. That's what just, I need right there. Just the improvements. And like you yeah. look at Tua, and it's like it's Tua hasn't been doing great in those periods either. Like, I mean, what yeah. picked off by Hawkins today. Um, you know, like yeah. the, the mm-hmm. like it's so like Desmond Ritter doesn't look out of place next to Tua, who mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, and I'm not like a Tua hater or like a huge Tua fan either. But I think Tua is still like easily a top fifteen quarterback. I mean, easily. So, so that I mean, was it, in the MVP conversation last. Yeah, year exactly. When he when he got hot, like before he got hurt, and he he's been on some hot streaks. So it's like, it's not like the Dolphins' offense is shining and the Falcons' offense is is in the dirt. Like it, these are two extremely different looking offenses, which is kind of funny. Um, Dolphins very much like uh, eleven, line them up, knock them down, sort of uh, 
you know, passing focused attack, but it's also a Shanahan style offense and the Falcons are going to go up against, you know, quite a few of these um, over the course of the season. And you're going to need to know how to beat this type of offense to get past San Francisco in the playoffs and stuff like that too. So obviously no one does it like Kyle Shanahan. So they're all sort of, you know, versions of his offense, but I think it's it's a good sign that this very popular offense, the Falcons defense is so far playing pretty well against it. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see how this whole thing shakes out. I think that the defense has a chance to actually be competent, like like 15th or, or better. And like, I know that sounds crazy, but if you listen to what we've talked about year over year, like defense is actually quite volatile year to year. Like it, you can have big shifts in how defenses perform because a lot of stuff that happens on defense is like turnovers. If you get a lot of turnovers, you're going to have a better defense, but turnovers are one of the most random things in the NFL. So like if you get a lot of turnovers, yeah. So like defenses is, is variable year over year. It does fluctuate a lot. Now, typically the good defenses will still be good and the bad defenses will still be bad, but there's a lot of fluctuation. Like the, the number one defense could be 12th the next year and it wouldn't really shock anyone. It doesn't mean they were bad. They just weren't quite, they weren't elite anymore. And it, it just, a lot of stuff can happen to change that. Offense tends to be much more consistent year over year and make those more incremental gains. So, you know, we're really hoping for this offense to take that step to be permanently in the top 10. I think they were 15th overall last year uh obviously great running the ball but the passing game held him back so i think we're hoping for them to take that step into the top 10 on offense and then on defense if they could just get to average like 16th that would be a huge step from where they've been basically every year except 2017 and you know this this style of offense and and having a good defense behind it or even an average one you can win a lot of games that way with that sort of classic limit possessions, you know, smother the opponent and just grind it out type of style. I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. that's what Arthur Smith like long-term wants. I think he wants this to be like Tennessee was, you know, in, in it, at its peak where they were just, you know, bashing you with Derrick Henry and throwing the ball over your head. And they were putting up, you know, the, one of the top offenses in the NFL that year, definitely the most efficient. Um, so I think they want to have that where the offense just takes over and then they can sort of close out with the run game and a good defense. And I don't know if we're quite to that level yet. So it's probably, we're probably going to need more contribution from the defense uh, over the next few years while this thing gets really fired up. But I don't know. What, what do you guys think? You think the, the, the offense is closer to being finished or the defense? I mean, I think it's the offense probably closer, but they did spend a lot on the defense this year. So I, I, I think the offense is definitely closer. Uh, for sure. I mean, this at least in this in the skill position department from you know from Drake, Kyle Cordero, along with the offensive line, those guys have had time to work together. You know, they've had a full season together intact. Um, you know, Ritter Ritter did not see the field until late last year, but again, he was still in the system. He was learning and picking up the system and learning things along the way. I think the offense right now is probably closer, but again, it's still an encouraging sign to see that. With that being the case, the defense has been the talk of the last two days of joint practices. So uh, this th- this defense still has some things to show a little bit, um, and we'll we'll wait and see how this at least in the secondary. We'll wait to see how the secondary truly looks when Okuda is back, when Clark Phillips is back, um, which again has been another sign, another positive sign to see that secondary unit make plays the way that they did without those two guys being on the field. So um, to answer your question, 
Um, Kevin, yeah, I think the offense right now is at a point where they're probably a little bit more advanced, but I don't think that defense is that far that far away. They're, I don't think they're trailing that far. <laughs> yeah, they've, yeah, they've made I, a lot of strides. Yeah, but yeah, I'm curious what you yeah. have to say too. On, on, yeah. uh, I would definitely, I, I would agree that it's the offense, but it should be the offense just given how much they've invested. And I'm not talking about the, the, the money in free agency. A lot of that went toward the defense for a reason, and that reason is, out of the last six first-round picks that this team has had, five of them have been offensive players who are currently on the roster, even more so if you take it back to 2018, which was when Calvin Ridley was a, a first-rounder. Um, and, you know, that 2019 year, I'm counting both Caleb and Gary and Chris Lindstrom as first-rounders because they were both taken in the first round. But you've had three straight years where you had – a skill position player taking the top 10. Your first two picks this season were both spent on offensive players. And like I said, dating back to 2019, you have spent one first round pick on defense. And that was AJ Terrell, who is, you know, a stalwart on this defense. It was a very good pick, but yeah, it, it's, it's the offense. And I would hope that it would be the offense, just given how much of a premium draft investment you've been spending on, on these offensive players. I legitimately think that this offense, it's, I would say, just a couple pieces away from being, like, legitimately complete. And, yeah. I mean, the only issue is one of those pieces is is quarterback. Don't 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 attack me. Uh, I'm, I'm not Noted saying that Desmond Des- Ritter hater. Oh, not I'm not yet. saying that Ritter's bad. I'm just saying that he's unproven. I'm saying that I, I, I'm not... I'm not going to go into this here saying, oh, yeah, like the Falcons have their franchise quarterback. The Falcons have, you know, the guy, you know, at the quarterback position. Um, we don't know that yet. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking forward to watching Desmond Ritter in the preseason. I hope that Desmond Ritter does play on Friday. Uh, I would hope that Arthur Smith doesn't decide to just, you know, bench him for two of the three preseason games because he's probably not going to play in the last one. I think that he does need the reps. And I'm excited to watch how he progresses in advance of this year. But, yeah, I would say probably quarterback uh, is a question mark. Outside of quarterback, maybe it's – I mean, maybe you could use another wide receiver. Uh, I mean, just like in, in the bigger picture of things. And outside of that, possibly center is a little bit of a question mark long-term, although we hope that – we have high hopes for Drew Dahlman. Um, but yeah, like I, I think the offense is very, very close. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you know, I know, I know people are clamoring for Troy Anderson talk and, and we were, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Anderson sort of, he was flashing in training camp, but I think it against the dolphins, what he has two picks already or something like that. Like, um, I mean, he's been showing out, I mean, and we've talked about Trey Anderson as like the true wild card player of this defense this year, where it's like if he hits, you know, and reaches what we think he can be, he could totally transform the defense because of how versatile he is and, and everything he can do. <laughs> yes, I, I just read Dylan's. I yep, just yep. read Dylan's. It's throwing me off. Um, but uh, what no, what I missed. Oh no! Is so, it, th- there was a bit where we were, you know, we were calling Desmond Ritter Desmond Mitter, but we were like actually recording in like the locker room or like adjacent to it, so we were pretty worried that actually someone was hearing yeah. us say that. Uh, I think we said yeah, it kind of loud, so yeah. <laughs> I actually said it very loud, and I think the room <laughs> we were in was like, yeah, it was adjacent to the locker room, 
So I, I just like immediately caught myself and was like, all right, I, I can't be talking like this, like like I'm at home. What when yeah. the Falcons are, are being so generous with with, uh, with their facilities with us? So yeah, yeah, it was definitely a bit. Uh, I'm not going to call him Desmond Mitter yet, although if it happens this year, I will I will pull that out. Yep, I've got that picture ready to go the second you do. So <laughs> it's a great pick, whoever clipped that off. But yeah, um, I mean, Trey Anderson, definitely been one of the more impressive players, it sounds like. And, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a huge Troy Anderson fan. Uh, shout out to Bozeman, uh, Montana State. Let's go. But, he's, the, he's, the, he's, the, he's the wild card of the defense, right? I yeah, would say yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I would say his his production, his elevation as a as a um, as a second year linebacker is pretty pretty important uh, to this defense and whatever level of success that they find themselves on this year. I mean, I think if he's if he's able to elevate his game and and truly take those steps forward, man, I'm telling you, that's this defense can truly benefit from that from having that type of freak athlete on the field. Yeah, at and middle line. And yeah, you're exactly right. And it's like, everybody's like, oh, linebacker, it's not that valuable. It's not that important. But getting a really good one is still really important because you look at the best defenses you, and they've got that that linebacker right in the middle. You know, you, you think about Fred Warner right now. You think yep. about, you know, Keekley in his prime, um, you know, Levante yep. David in his prime. Bobby um, Wagner. Yep, Bobby Wagner. <laughs> like Kobe Dean. <laughs> Yeah, Man. he's been Nicobe Dean has been showing out so much that you know the Eagles had to go out and sign two veteran linebackers behind him. Yeah, both the veteran yeah. linebackers. I thought I hadn't pegged for the Falcons, so uh, yeah, thanks Eagles want, for taking those guys. It. Yeah, funny how that works, right, Adnan? Yep. The Falcons don't want to win. <laughs> yeah, you know, if they did want to win, they would have taken Nicobe Dean. They would have taken Jordan <laughs> Davis in the first round last year. Oh, Darnell Washington. Yeah. We passed on Darnell Washington, yeah. So we need some dog, yeah, guys with championship pedigree. Yeah, I don't remember Troy Anderson winning an NCAA title. That's true, but yeah, well, you know, we did warn people that they filled their quota for dogs for like ten years when they drafted Fitzpatrick and Justin Schaefer. Looked good, by the way. Like he had a touchdown today. He's looked good in camp. Like he, yeah, he legitimately, you know, uh, I'd peg him in. I'd pencil him in for. I mean, not yet. He's fighting Parker Hesse for that tight end four spot right now. Oh, they're they're guys... keeping five tight ends on. They're they're doing it. Yeah. Oh, they're keeping five. <laughs> they're they'll, yeah. they'll make room for eight. There's, they'll I'm make sure. room did if they you, can. Did you guys see the clip of Fitzpatrick's test down today? No, oh, yeah, the, I the they're too fucking small quote from. <laughs> You're right. I was here to point that out. Did you hear what was being said? Oh, yeah. I, I got a general idea as far as who that was coming from. No, that was, the, Ritter, it was definitely Ritter. Like that that's was definitely Ritter. Ritter. Ritter's out there yelling <laughs> that defenders are too small. Oh my! Okay, Desmond, I see what you're doing here. Yep, I'll yep. take that. That's the confidence that I need from him. I, I love I, the skyscrapers. I, I love, yeah, the skyscraper yeah. offense. I'm a big fan because uh, it's just like every single person out there is like, and then and then occasionally you'll get Scotty Miller, but like you know. <laughs> Cordero, point, Cordero pointed out um, after practice today, he was being interviewed by the NFL Network, he pointed out that there's like five or six guys in the skill position group right now that are like 6'2", six, six, two, 210 or, or bigger that's at, you know, that, that Ritter has at his disposal. And that's that puts you at a certain place in the league. Not a, not a lot of teams can say that. Now, I know the, where the game is right now. Everyone loves speed and quickness. But this team right now, they're, they're, we saw a little bit of it last year, and if you can't pay attention to it now, 
This team is trying to punch you in the mouth at in any position. It doesn't matter. Running back, you know, we saw yesterday, um, of course, Dolphins fans felt like their DBs were playing well, but I thought their DBs was holding on for dear life yesterday when they had to go up against Cal <laughs> Pitts and Matt Hollins and Drake. And and I think that's something you're going to see on Sundays where defenses are like, man, these guys are these guys are tough. These guys, these guys are physical. And that's yeah. that's the identity that Arthur Smith is trying to bring to this team on both sides of the ball. They're trying to kick your teeth in for four quarters. And yep. I don't mind that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you know, Drake London uh, in a post-practice interview was talking just about that. And he said that uh, he said that, I mean, the defense is helping them out. They're helping the offense out because he said that he's never faced a defense like this in his life uh, that, that he faced in camp. He said that they really make make it feel uncomfortable for you and that you really have to enjoy uh, that discomfort. And, you know, he said that they're they're going to go out there and they're, they're going to play physical. I think the quote he used, and, you know, this may not be fully correct, but he said they're going to run right through your face. And yeah. when when asked to describe this team in one word, he used the word ferocious. So yeah. uh, I, think, I think the team, the offense is definitely sort of relishing that identity a little bit. They want to go out there and they want to be the team that, punishes the opposing team they, they want to go out there and they want to you know they want to make you mentally yield where you get into that fourth quarter and, and it kind of goes back to you know some of those Tennessee days where where the Titans under Arthur Smith had that really physical very strong you know borderline dirty offensive line uh, and then you had Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter where nobody wanted to fucking you know tackle Derrick Henry who was the size of a linebacker so I, I feel like Arthur Smith definitely wants to establish that identity where, you know, when the game really gets into crunch time, the other team just wants no part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm excited. Be, be a little, yeah. uh, go ahead. Kevin. No, I was, I'm just excited to see this, like, in, in action. Like, I mean, um, it it's nice. Like, people don't realize when you have a good defense, I think it makes your offense better, too, because you get to practice against that every day, whereas, you know, if your defense sucks, then it's like, oh. Like, beating up on a defense that's not good isn't going to help you get any better as an offense. It's just going to make you the same. Right. So, um, yeah, but please, whatever. Uh, sorry. Whatever whatever you had oh, was, next, I Eric. Say, I was just going to say, you know, you pointed out that, that you know, this team is, is starting to play a little bit of – starting to play a little ferocious – it's definitely starting to be a little physical in practice. I'm pretty sure um, the Falcons' practices might be a little too intense for the Washington Commanders because you know they don't like <laughs> they don't like any type of intensity. They want things scaled back and easy for them for a team that hasn't won a damn thing in so long. But hey, I digress. My bad. It was such a pathetic thing, too. It was. It was. Oh, oh was Eric, the enemy was... came here, and oh, it's it's a bit he too was mean to me. Yeah. Bro, is is that not some some tattletale elementary school type stuff? Like, not only do you not only for a team that's coming off the heels of the Dan Snyder era, okay, for a team that hasn't really won much of anything, they haven't done a ton, you know, the last 10, 15 years or whatever. You know, for them to not only not only go behind the back of Eric Bieniemy, but go behind the back of Eric Bieniemy to the head coach. Yeah, rude. Basically, to tell on him for the most part. That's what you're tattletelling. Like he's being too hard. Like what? Two things. Two 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 things. One, Eric Bieniemy, you know, comes from a Super Bowl team. 
Like, like you, you, you would think that nobody knows better than Eric Bieniemy about just how much intensity you need, you know, to become a winner. Like, Eric Bieniemy is a fucking champion. He was I an offensive a two-time Super Bowl champion, three-time AFC champion as an right. OC. Right. And two, what the fuck is Ron Rivera doing admitting that, you know, <laughs> to the media? It's like, like it's Ron a big Rivera, story. Yeah. He has this tendency. I, I love Ron Rivera, like, personally. Like, a, a, as a person, Ron Rivera is a very nice man. He seems like a very nice man. But I think he has this tendency to just, you know, talk to the media a, a bit too much. Like, yeah. that that is such bad semantics for your football team to, to go out there and be like, oh, yeah, you know, the guys told me this. Like, nobody nobody even asked you to do that. <laughs> yeah, please don't say that. Yeah, no, you don't if, need to. If I, I mean... was, if I was being me, if I was being me, day one of training camp, I would have walked out there with my rings on and said, you guys want these? Then do what I say. Plain yeah. and simple. You guys want these. You guys want to win ball games and have a couple of these on your fingers. Do what I say. It obviously worked with Patrick Mahomes. So now it's not going to work with you guys. You guys are just, it's too hard for you guys. But what do we do? What, what's happened to the game? If that's the case. <laughs> Soft. <laughs> Soft. What, right. Yeah. What's happened yeah. to the game? Now, all, all I'm going to say is this. Um, they better, they better get their act together. Okay. Before October comes, because there's a team in Atlanta right now. That's going to bring a little bit of intensity. So you either better get used to what the enemy is bringing, or it's going to be a long, long season. Okay, just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah, it, they're going to have to match that intensity at some point, or it's it's going to be tough it, for it, them. So has that, have that game as a loss for the Falcons, you know, on the schedule. No, no, I I picked that as a win. I, we got revenge because I think they've beaten us like the last four times we played. So. Uh, that was my no. Yeah. I had us losing to the Titans, embarrassingly. That was I had that us was losing my, the Titans too. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, that that was my embarrassing loss. I, um, you had us losing to the Bucks too, in fairness. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. It's not only it's not only it's not only that they lost to the, to Washington. It's the manner that they lost to Washington at least the last two games, which yeah. is left a very bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So they own one for sure. Yeah, no, we gotta get we gotta get over the Washington uh like Third Taylor Heineke yeah. and you know Taylor yeah, there you go. Yeah. taking revenge games apparently. Like yes. he, he took the Falcons both times he played here. Yep. Yeah, I mean, well, why not? You know, play play the hot hand at quarterback because you know, I know this is just another way for you to push your to push your anti Ritter agenda on onset. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an anti Ritter agenda. I just wanna see more deep passes it I know. In the- Never mind. We'll, we'll 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 talk about it in preseason if it comes up. Yep. Yeah, if it happens, so hopefully it won't. But guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Before we sign off, I do want to give you some updates. We will, of course, be doing our live play-by-play for uh, for the preseason game. So if you're interested, you can tune in. We'll probably be going live like ten minutes or so before the game starts, and we'll take you through the whole thing once again. Uh, we'll have you know official show everything posted on that uh, probably tomorrow. And then this is the last call for the Patreon Fantasy League. So if you're interested in playing in those that are forming right now, make sure you sign up on Patreon and fill out the form on Patreon uh, to get involved with that. Just make sure you do that sort of by the beginning of next week to make sure that we get you in a league because after that, maybe too late. So this is your this is your last call if you want to get it. And if you're a current patron that hasn't yet uh, filled out the form. Please do fill out the form. Even if you were in a league last year, please fill it out just so we for the bookkeeping stuff. 
Um, and just make sure that uh, your patron status is updated and everything so we can get you in the league and get that going. I know we're all excited about that. Um, But yeah, Uh, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, Another, there's finally content, you know, easy hour. I'm sure there's, there's even more we could have covered, but we'll, we'll leave that there. We'll leave some content, you know, in the hopper Uh, before we take off. Want to thank, of course, uh, Will, Will McFadden, who had to take off uh, early. He's at Will McFadden, host of Believe in Falcons. Check out his stuff there. He's also written some great stuff for tra- on training camp over at thefalconhawk.com as well. And we also have joining us Eric Robinson. He is at underscore Eric underscore Robinson on Twitter. Uh, what's your new title at ESPN now, Eric? Are you like a full producer? I'm nowhere near being a producer. Oh, okay. I'm just a, I'm just a content associate at this point. Oh, no. I thought he's you were the director of the network. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, gotta, he's the shot. I, I still got a ways to go, guys. Still You're working gotta, up. Still gotta, you got to climb the ladder. You got to climb the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. 1% absolutely. better every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the shadow director of NFL Live. Like, he, he, yeah. he pulled all the levers behind the scenes. So, if ESPN ever, you know, does anything anti-Falcons, you I'm, know. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Hey, you know what? What's, what's interesting, though, in the, the last few production meetings, there's been some talk of the Falcons, which is which is encouraging. Normally, yeah. it doesn't happen. But there's been some encouraging talk about the Falcons. So no, normally, I mean, the Cowboys I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to push the envelope. Like, hey, maybe we should talk about this team in Atlanta a little bit more. Just saying. I'm trying. <laughs> push the yes. pop again. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. And I was I was told by Eric that he had nothing to do with ESPN reaching out for my clips. So that was, you know, that was that was totally, uh, totally yeah, organic. So. Yeah. It's a whole different building. I ain't got nothing to do with that. Shout out to ESPN for actually reaching out, though. You know, very professional. Yes. Very professional, unlike some unlike some accounts that we had to put on blast. <laughs> so, uh, th- thankfully, that was that was pretty much it after we blasted that guy. I didn't see it again. So, hey, <laughs> give credit, guys. Sixteen characters. Come on, it's it's not hard. Um, yeah. Well, again, thanks, Eric, uh, and sure. of course. We have co-hosts on any get at say which way uh, on anything you would like to plug before we sign off. Um, I ha- I'm I'm in the middle of writing my uh, Falcons franchise cornerstones article. I started that before camp, and I'm I'm near the end of it. But you know, then training camp kind of took all of my attention. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll plug that. That'll probably go in the next couple of weeks. I want to say, but also I will plug our uh, live show. Uh, preseason play-by-play on Friday it's it's always a good time it's you know one of the most fun shows you know that we do all year uh game against the Dolphins starts at 7 p.m and we will take you through every single play as if we were your broadcasting team because you know I, I don't care what anyone says I guarantee you we we know more about this team than the guys on the CW because we were at training camp every single day and we we watched all of these guys every single day, and we will be able to tell you, you know, a lot about those guys in, in the nether regions of, of the depth chart. Nether regions, I love that. Yes, that's great. That's great. Yeah, was, we're, we're, I'm working on the the quarterback, you know, monikers. Uh, I think we're gonna go with like taking him to the Woodside or something um, when Woodside comes in. So, you know, we will uh, we'll definitely workshop that and get you some some good bits uh just in time for this preseason game but uh yes yes mm more in case it's not clear we will be live for the preseason game play by play through the whole thing starting at roughly 645 650 um and we'll have you know hopefully the the delay won't be super bad but uh you know 
because YouTube's gotten a little bit better, and I think the streaming services have gotten a little bit better, but, you know. Uh, yeah, tie in Blue Chew with Woodside. Look, Blue Chew, hit me up, okay? The Blue, the Blue Chew app was just for a month. It was a temporary thing. So, Blue Chew, hit me up, you know, if you want to restart that. Uh, we mentioned Blue Chew yeah, a lot. It became, it became a thing, you know. Um, I think the Blue Chew app was very popular. Uh, I hope that, you know, for those that, that were availing themselves of Blue Chew services, that it was a positive interaction for all involved. So, um, but yeah, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, appreciate it. Everyone, we are almost there. Uh, we just got a couple preseason games to get to, and then we'll be week one will be here before you know it. So, um, guys, thank you so much. I'm Kevin. I have Falcoholic. Kevin, follow the show at Falcoholic Live. Check us out on Patreon. Check us. Uh, check out the community Discord server and more. We'll see you guys next time. See you Friday night for the first preseason game for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, can't wait. See you then, guys. Have a great night.